Hey everybody, this is Mike from Bases Loaded here. And this is just a reminder that Bases Loaded is part of the Rotoballer Radio Podcast Network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away and providing millions of fantasy baseball owners their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2020 MLB Draft Kit is live. And all of you, our Bases Loaded listeners, can get 10% off Rotoballer's Draft Kit by using the discount code BASESLOADED. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers and busts, more than 300 2020 player outlooks, and tons of in-season tools. All of this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with the discount code BASESLOADED. That's BASESLOADED, just all one word. Just go to rotoballer.com slash BASESLOADED and get your draft kit today. Two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my god! Deep to right field, way up there, and way out of here! Second deck walk-off home run! Grand slam! Hey everybody, welcome into episode 101 of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland, and today... This is not a solo podcast. I am joined by the one, the only, Joe Drake. He is a contributor at, a, a, I guess, a plethora, a cornucopia. That's a good word either way. You can uh, he, he contributes to Pitcher List, to Dynasty Guru, Fantasy Benefits, Prospects 365. Um, yeah, a little of everything, man. You're also Driveline Foundations of Hitting Certified, which is a big part of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk all things fantasy baseball again. This is Joe Drake. You can follow him on Twitter at jdrake three four nine. Joe, what's going on, man? Not a lot, Mike. What's going on? Long time no see. Yeah, living it. We caught up for about 10 minutes prior to pressing play. Um, for those who don't know, I actually got a chance to meet up with Joe at First Pitch Florida. We've you know interacted here and there, but it was this was long overdue, man. And you've been doing a lot of cool stuff since we you know last talked. Again, this was in January, I think it was, or whatever. So um, February? Yeah, end, end, of, end of February. End of February. Very, very early March. <laughs> yeah, right before, like, it was legitimately, like, when all this craziness was, like, kind of starting, and this was still, like, not a huge, like, it, we kind of beat that cutoff point when all this was essentially, like, the world was going to yeah, go nuts. pretty much before we knew what we were dealing with, or at least before. Yeah, which, day. honestly, had we known, I, I don't think that first push would have happened, so, Probably I mean, not, it yeah. worked out, I, I don't think anybody got sick or anything, so that's good, I mean, I haven't heard of anything. Well, uh, yeah, anyway. I heard it, so. <laughs> it's a whole it's other tangent, well escaped. Yeah, which is again great because that was definitely a bigger crowd than six or ten or whatever it was allowed <laughs> these days. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. So again, anyway, enough rambling about that. Welcome to the show. We are just going to talk all things fantasy baseball. We're going to talk about how you got started in the industry. We're going to talk about player development again because you are driveline certified. That is honestly, I think that's an amazing achievement. I I love that, and that's honestly, I started picking your brain behind the scenes because you're not just obviously you learned that, but now you're starting to read more books. So we're going to talk about some of the books maybe you recommend for people, which is one I, I so on my shelf. For those who don't know, we are video chatting as well, yeah. so you can me and you can talk and people don't understand I'm pointing to my <laughs> shelf right there but future value is one of the books we'll get again we'll get to that later but um let's start at the basics man what made you want to do ba- anything baseball related in general because again i know they kind of go hand in hand let's focus on the fantasy aspect of things how did you get started in the fantasy realm oh man i i can't even tell you how i started playing fantasy baseball i probably just stumbled across it on espn back in the day i do specifically remember like 
if we were talking like Mark Pryor and Josh Beckett when they first broke into nice. the league. I remember having those guys on my squad. Um, so I've been playing for quite a while now. Uh, it's probably it's got to be like what fifteen years, something like that, maybe a little bit more. Um, and what, sorry, don't I was say, being a great player. <laughs> I've been playing a long time. Doesn't mean I've been doing it well. <laughs> hey, but you obviously felt the need to transition into somebody who contributes. So when did yeah. that transition take place and what made you want to kind of make that transition? Because again, that's what I started as a player for over, it's been over 10 years. I, my first league was a CBS league. Uh, I think it was like 20 bucks. And I remember drafting a guy, I think it was his rookie year. And his name was Paul Goldschmidt, in like the 12th round. And <laughs> it was like 12 years ago at this point. And that's, that's my memory. Like I played, I obviously started playing a little after you, but not much. It sounds like so. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> as you were, sir. Oh yeah. So, man, I don't know. Probably just being opinionated, wanting <laughs> <laughs> to tell people what I thought. You know, I don't know. Being a because I think I first started like dabbling in writing. I actually I got in at Bleacher Report like before they blew up, but uh, I was not consistent, and so I got bumped out, and then I could never get my way back in, uh, which is yeah. kind of funny to me now because at the time I didn't care, but like then they started to get big, and I was like, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> So you can look me up on, uh, I'm sure you can find it on Bleacher Report, but I, I wrote like something on Tim Tebow a, a real long time ago. And um, so that was, that was when I first got into writing. And then a couple of years after that, that was God back in college for me. So around 2010. And then a, a few years later, I started um, trying to make a little bit of money writing and I got into it via Fiverr. So I, I was writing articles for like five bucks on Fiverr. Um, I got picked up by a site called scoresandstats.com. Shout out to Joe Barra if he's listening to this. Uh, Joe gave me my first real start into writing. I wrote for them almost every single day, um, sometimes more than more than one article a day. Um, and it was, it was it was cool. I was in it. I was working every day after work. Man, I was that was grinding. I was grinding. Oh um, yeah, for sure. And because. You know, just having to put out content every single day. And it wasn't just about baseball. I covered a bunch of different things. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey, even though I don't know a lot about hockey. It would be like, so like some things, obviously, I'd be a little bit limited on what I could contribute. But, you know, I'd write up some stuff for them. Um, But, yeah, so that really, like, I got into it hard. I kind of burned out a little bit after a while. Um, We all do. We we all go through that. Yeah. (laughs) So I wrote for them almost every day for about 18 months. Um, and then I've actually moved <laughs> almost once a year for the past five years. Oh, yeah. From Sounds so, terrible. I, yeah, I grew up in Maine, moved to Connecticut, moved to New Hampshire, moved to Florida, moved back. I'm back in New Hampshire right now. Um, so between that, you know, switching jobs, real life stuff, I kind of got out of it a little bit. Um, and then last summer, I got the uh, I got the itch to start writing again. Um, I don't know, man. That just I guess I'm just a writer at heart. I just want to tell people how I feel. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's right. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome because now again, as things have you've been doing this for a while, you've been around it for a while. How has the industry changed better, worse as a whole? I know it's become way more competitive. That goes without saying. But how how do you like all the analytics being introduced? Is it do you think there's a happy medium? Do you think that like do you love all these analytics? Like you've been again, you've been around it and now again you dabble I shouldn't even say dabble. You're certified in what I would call almost more of like an eye test and you can kind of see it and kind of, you know, you get some of the intangibles that we don't see in the numbers, so to speak. So 
is there like just I guess overall the evolution of baseball from a fantasy aspect or overall like how has it changed again for better or worse? Um, I mean, I like it. I'm a number question. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I mean, I have a finance background. That's what my degree is oh, in from perfect. you know good old University of Maine. Uh, shout out to Black Bears here. Uh, I'm a, I, I like analytics, but the more I learn about the behind the scenes baseball stuff, like I'd call it like the real baseball world, the more like I am realizing that like, oh yeah, there really is a happy medium here. You can't, you can't just rely on the stats and a lot of it you can find, you'll find the proof that it says um, in like the lower minor leagues when you're looking at numbers and you're like, you see some guys who kill it. And then you talk to like a scout or someone who really knows what they're talking about. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. That'll play here, but that won't play at the upper levels of the minors or it won't play in the majors. And you know, here's why. And then you listen to me like, Oh wow. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and that's, and that's where you're kind of focusing on these days, right? That kind of, the, okay, on, cool. Yeah. Here's, here's the numbers. Now you're trying to take it. Now you're trying to look at it and understand why it won't work or will work. Maybe they'll maybe they'll play above their numbers at that yeah. next level, and that's kind of where that player development. So episode 101 again. I kind of mentioned before episode 101. This is like a 101 to player development. But uh, what made you want to go that route as far as player development? Again, talk about your certification and what exactly it is and how you obtained it. Like what the process it is to go through that. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't really know what gave me the itch to get into player dev. I've always kind of I always wanted to be a baseball player growing up. But uh, I was did. never any good. <laughs> yeah, I, I was the short, slow second baseman. Can't throw, can't hit. I, I could field a little bit. But that's, that was the extent of it. So I didn't. So, play so you're Michael Chavis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he, okay. He hit bombs, but yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, like, he's, I, there's not much else to there. Anyway, I limit my bombs to like wiffle ball. That's about it. Or or yeah, the and even even though even those I pop up. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I was never any good. I always wanted to get better, but I didn't know how. And I just, I was shy as a kid too. So I wasn't even going to ask people to like play catch with me and stuff like the guys down the road or things like that. Like I was too shy to reach out. And so like, I just kind of grew up and just kind of got out of it. Um, and then when I got back into like baseball writing world last year, I started getting into Twitter for the first time and it just opened this whole new world um, of information to me. Cause like, Twitter gets a bad rap. Like a lot of social media is like, there's a lot of negativity out there and that is totally true. But there are also some really cool people out there and you can learn a ton. Um, and so that's what I've, I just dove into it head first into like baseball analytics and advanced stats. And then like when I found driveline, I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like, cause I've always thought like, shoot. Yeah. There must be a way to like train yourself to get better. It can't just be a, you know, just this innate talent that you're born with. And then there. Like you've seen what they've done, you know, kind of showing like, yeah, we've actually tested all this stuff. And like, this is what we've seen help people and we can throw harder and you can hit the ball harder and all these things. And it was like, that just really piqued my interest because it's like, I mean, first of all, I want to try it out myself, see if I can, you know, maybe I'll crack 70 (laughs) throwing. But uh, the other thing is to be able to like share that with other people and like just kind of spread the word a little bit, you know, like, it would be so cool to be able to help other people, you know, realize and achieve something that I wasn't able to do. Just because, like, I know how that felt growing up, like, always wanting to be better but never knowing how. It's like, shoot, well, now I feel like we have the tools. Like, I need to do something to help. Yeah. So it, it, it works for me because, like, I'd love to be able to work in baseball. I, I love it. I could do that the rest of my life in some fashion. I probably will, whether it be writing or whether I end up, you know, getting you know, a real baseball job, quote, unquote. Um, 
but yeah, being able to do that for myself, but also it, it works where I can give back to the game and help people too. I got you. And being hitting certified, I've, I've noticed like I, actually one of the times that we were trying to kind of schedule this, you were actually in the middle of hitting off a tee, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. And how has like, honestly, you took some of that stuff and now you're just kind of testing it out on yourself. It sounds like almost like trial by error. Yeah. Have you noticed yeah. a difference even in just like some of your basic mechanics as far as just your personal use of it? Um, a little bit. Yeah. What I need to do is actually record myself and mm-hmm. I've actually, there's, there's a project that I uh, have been thinking about doing. So Originally, I was going to try and uh, hook on with some teams up here this summer to help coach, get some experience, and try to like implement that stuff. Um, but none of the leagues up here are running. So there was no high school baseball. College baseball was canceled. And then the um, I live right next to a team that plays in the NECBL. It's the uh, it's like the Cape Cod League, so summer college uh, wooden bat league. Um, but it's like kind of a tier down from the Cape Cod League. So I was trying to hook on with a, um, a team there to get some experience, but that didn't work out. So what I've been trying to look at doing myself is acquiring a a blast motion device to put on my bat and essentially train, like train myself, like I would train a player um, just by taking my baseline stuff. So I video myself and then record my baseline stats. um, looking at like attack angle, uh, which is like the angle, which the, the bat attacks the ball. So launch angle is the ball coming off the bat. Attack angle is the bat, like the angle of the bat in comparison to you. Um, so I'd record that, my bat speed, and things like all those, you know, basic benchmarks. Or well, those aren't benchmarks, but I get those, and so I could benchmark them, and then prescribe myself drills, record, and do all that. The hard part is there's no live pitching for me to face. So it's not like I can go and see like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, my batting average went up. I hit more doubles or, you know, my ISO was off the charts this season. That stuff can't happen for me. So it's a little bit hard to, um, I guess, track the results. So I'd have to look at things like trying to figure out like, Oh, how would I deem it a success? Would it just be, Oh my, you know, my, my bat speed went up or we approved. Would you be my, uh, attack angle? Things like that. Would you be able to do chart something like that? Like in a batting cage of sorts, like maybe, find 60 or 70 mile power batting cages and kind of just, even if you can hit them easy, still just be able, it'll give you some type of starting point to measure everything you sound yeah. like you're trying to measure. I might, I might be able to do that. Um, if I, if I end up getting a, uh, a radar gun, like maybe a pocket radar or something like that, I could probably track uh, my exit velocity. Um, so cool. yeah, that's actually, that's a good idea. I'm going to end up writing that down. Um, uh, hey, if, if nothing else came from this podcast, you that hey, worked out, you know, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For those that don't know, I kind of live in the middle of nowhere. Um, I live <laughs> in the middle of the woods on the border of Vermont and New Hampshire, about halfway up. I, it's a little small town, with like 10,000 people. So there's not a lot going on here. Um, but we do have kind of a, a, a little batting cage, I'd call it. So I hey. can check that out something you know exactly it's something and again maybe being able to take this data and record it maybe you can almost add it to your resume so to speak like hey look i did this because again you're having a hard time latching on somewhere again without experience i hate that it's it's, that is real world problems because without experience you can't get the job you want but how you just get the job you want if nobody's gonna give you experience (laughs) i totally get it it's It's, it's that that never-ending paradox so i'm trying to trying to break the cycle here and and figure that out. Cause that was my thing is like, yeah, I can, I can read all the books I want and read all the articles I want and do all that, but nobody's going to want to hire, you know, no one wants to hire the guy who's never done it. So yeah. I was trying but, 
trying to grind. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. I mean, that's just like anything else you do. And how has this, as far as um, I'm trying to think of how to, like, as far as takeaways, I don't know if you're allowed to even tell us because, again, I know this is kind of an exclusive class. I don't want you to give away all your secrets. I don't want you to, yeah. I want people, obviously, there's a purpose to going to this class, but are there any type of takeaways maybe you can share for as far as like maybe reasons you should go and take this and get the certification? Because, again, it's not an easy certification. It takes hard work, and I want people to kind of maybe maybe give them a little bit of background what it truly is about, what, what some of the stuff it covers, broad stroke it, whatever you want to call it, and um, yeah. and how it could be applied. So to yeah, speak. so I, I definitely want to tiptoe around it because I don't want to make you know Kyle yeah. or Jake or any of those guys upset. Uh, I don't want to give away for free, but no, they're exactly you know, that's you know, what I'm saying. Just sure. um, I, big big picture stuff. Yeah, but it it was um, good. So I did the intro to hitting course, um, and it's a series, a long series of videos with notes and quizzes and. Um, they really like, they throw everything at you. You got to learn it and find a way to retain it. Uh, so what I did is I took a bunch of notes and stuff like that. And some of it was, um, fairly familiar to me because I have a little bit of a exercise science background. I changed my major in college like two to three times. So who didn't, I did a little bit of everything. <laughs> so I have a little bit of a exercise science background and I've considered like going down that route and training. So um, like I've considered being a personal training trainer before. So that sort of goes right in line with the whole, you know, baseball specific thing. And a you know, light bulb clicked for me. I was like, holy crap, I've kind of always wanted to train people. So this would make sense. But back to the driveline uh, certification, I, what really attracted me to it is uh, having something I could uh, just kind of put my, put on my resume a little bit. So there's a, it's a, it's a benchmark that says like, Hey, Joe learned these things. And it doesn't necessarily mean he can do them, you know, in person yet, but like he's got the knowledge you can, you know, and we'll, we'll put, we'll uh, put our stamp on that, so to speak. Um, gotcha. It is definitely something that I feel like anyone can do, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. So if, if you are you know, listening to this and you're interested in checking it out, I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, this, it's easily accessible. It's all online um, for the hitting course. I think the pitching, they have some, in-person stuff but it's uh, a little shaky right now with the whole you know covid world so that might not be up-to-date information but i was able to do everything right through my computer even on my phone i would watch like so sometimes for out for a drive or you know just traveling my fiance is driving i'll hop on my phone like hey i'm gonna do uh, you know a, a quick video a quick course here and i was able awesome. to do that and take notes so it's easily accessible tons of great information in there god i learned a ton there's just there's you so much you learn that like you can't possibly sort of remember it all, which is why I recommend taking notes because you'll hear things pop up or people ask you questions. You're like, Oh my God, like I know that, but like I got all this other information in my head too. Let me <laughs> check my notes. Yeah. And on, honestly, um, again, I know there's only so much you can say about it. So I didn't want to, I almost didn't ask the question. I'm like, I got to ask. Um, <laughs> no, no, we, can, we, we can transition it a little bit to, um, because again, it's not just for people who want to learn or get involved in, you know, the act of coaching or the act of being a part of a team or player development. But somebody like me, I reached out to you because I found it. I was genuinely curious because I considered taking this course because I just want to be better at prospecting. I want to be better when I go to a game, just knowing what to, what to look for. I want mm -hmm. to be able to watch tape and have an idea of what I'm looking at, not just listening to someone like you or Ray or Chris Blessing or, you know, those guys. You should definitely listen world. to those guys over me. <laughs> well, I, I, I listen to them. They're, they're fantastic. I'm not saying I don't want to listen to them. I want to be able to, I want to, be able to kind of watch it and have an idea of what I'm looking at myself. 
Oh, so would you say that this course, obviously, again, it's beyond beneficial. Like, If you want to take this, even, again, from the fantasy aspect or just from being a writer, this can make you a better contributor to any site as well as far as, again, if you're into that type of stuff as far as prospects and stuff like that. Because the pro-level guys, it's a little more difficult. They're a little more refined. You have all the numbers you need. You can watch tape, and it's going to be very, very minimal. But this Mm -hmm. stuff, I feel like, would be better for somebody trying – Like you you dabble in prospects, so we'll talk about that in a second. But would you say this is more beneficial and has benefited you as far as even being a writer for the prospect side of things? Um, Yeah, it's definitely added like sort of like – I know a little bit more about what's going on under the hood. Um, that said, if your goal is strictly writing about fantasy baseball, I probably wouldn't say this is a great use of your funds just because it's going to, it's, this is much more geared to be able to, being able to uh, be a hands-on teacher. Oh, that's um, good, to, good to know. Cause I was thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so, yeah. I don't, I don't want to like give people the wrong idea, but what, what, what it is, what it's for, what the best use is, I would say. So, yeah. So you, Taking this course, this makes me much more confident and be able to go like coach a team or train players individually. It applies less to fantasy baseball, I would say. But that said, like if you are interested in both, then I would highly recommend it. And there are certainly some things that could carry over where like it's kind of the thing where like if you're looking at a guy and you're looking at, you know, a hit tool know, of a minor like, league. Yeah, saying. things like that. So maybe less of a hit tool, but like uh, we talk about Vlad Guerrero where he had like a somewhat, I guess some people would call it a disappointing debut last year, but we still saw Vlad hit. Like, I think it was the hardest ball hitting the entire major leagues last year, 118 miles an hour, something like that. So we we've seen that, man, like he's got the bat speed. He's got ridiculous power. We've already seen in the minor leagues that he's got a great hit tool. And you can kind of look at the Savant and say like, Oh, well, yeah, like his launch angle wasn't that great. He's kind of driving the ball into the ground a little bit last year. Having done the driveline course, I can kind of tell you that, like, yeah, it's pretty, it's much easier to fix uh, someone's attack angle and help them lift the ball more than it is to be like, hey, we need to get you to hit the ball 120 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. So that's you. something so- like for me that would carry over. We're like, oh, okay, like, I know that that's, I mean, we're going to say, quote unquote, a relatively easy fix. Obviously, easier said than done. But it's, I know that it's easier to teach someone how to, you know, adjust that than it is to help someone develop bat speed which might take a a much longer time gotcha gotcha well i appreciate all the insight that's awesome um before we transition back to fantasy completely what are some books because again you recommended one i kind of mentioned it but maybe somebody finally like you said maybe the class isn't for everybody but people want to learn just more about player development maybe the process maybe something that could help them just understand some more of the under the hood so to speak stuff um, what are some books? Again, I know you've been reading like a madman. You're on what six, six books since I tried. the started. I tried. Like, well, yeah, well, since the start of the year, I gotcha. it, it comes and goes in spurts. I get hot and then I get cold. You know, and we'll we'll see how like it goes. Player. Keep this, the cold streaks <laughs> short and the hot streaks long. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, I did read uh, Future Value by Eric Longenhagen and Kylie McDaniel this spring, and it that is definitely by far my favorite baseball book. It it surpassed Moneyball. <laughs> Um, but that that is a great one and i think that one really helps um that can directly translate to uh fantasy baseball where you're trying to like what you're talking about earlier like being able to use the eye test so to speak to watch baseball and kind of it helps you understand more of what you're seeing uh and you can really kind of get into the heads of scouts a little bit too from what they you know from what they share 
and it, I just I thought it was great. Like not only is the information great, but they the stories are great too. I really enjoyed reading it as a baseball junkie, and then as someone who wants to learn how to evaluate people better, um, that really hit that right on the you know nail on the head for me. And that's exactly what I wanted. So I've been I'm not gonna lie, I've been slowing down. I, I started off hot out the gate, and the idea is like the problem is, is I know yeah. there's chapters. There's chapters that I know I want to get to that like have exactly what I'm looking for. But me yeah. being me, I'm trying to read it from cover to cover, yeah. and some of the stuff <laughs> just isn't for me. Some of the stuff just really isn't for me. Yeah. But I'm just I want to read it cover to cover. I don't want to skip because I know there's gonna be parts that I get to in those chapters I actually want to read, and I'm gonna be like, well, if I I'm afraid I'm gonna miss something in route to where I want to get to. So I'm trying to read yeah. it cover to cover. It's been kind of a slow start, but. It is great information, honestly, and they touch on the basics of like basics of basics. So they mm-hmm. make sure even the common person, someone like me, who might not even understand some of the stuff, they really, they really do. They really, like, you could not know baseball, and you could read this book, and it would help you learn even the basics of just you come how, out with a pretty good how, idea how a team runs, like stuff yeah. that like. In t- like again, this is going beyond fantasy a little bit, but it can again. There are parts of it that translate directly to it. That's why I wanted to get your opinion on that. And I know there's a couple other books. I know that's kind of your favorite, but maybe a couple other books as well before we again transition over to fantasy. Sure, um, I really like the MVP machine as well. Um, I was that came out well, I think it was last summer, um, and that one is really good too. It dives into a little bit more of it gives you a taste of the player development um, and a little bit of the analytics and some other behind the scenes stuff. Um, but that was a really good read. I've got a few more on my shelf that I haven't gotten to yet. Um, as far as fantasy baseball is concerned, I really feel like. Well, I was not too. I, mean, I was. I was sorry. I wasn't really too concerned about how the books. I know some of them translate to fantasy, but I wanted to because again, I know just. I think in general, be, most people listen to fantasy baseball. Are I mean a lot of them, especially right now. I would say, especially right now. Unfortunately, I hate to say it. I hate to harp on it, but with everything going on right now. The average fan, the person that just plays it for fantasy, isn't really tuning in. They're not really following the content. The people truly uh, taking all this stuff in right now, they just love baseball. So that's another reason why I wanted, again, I'm. this hasn't been so fantasy focused. I know it's a fantasy baseball podcast, but you're not the first one that I do this with. And I like to kind of, again, go outside the box a little bit, give people something new to listen to. And I yeah. think this kind of can peak. Even it might, not be, it might not be for everybody, but I'm hoping they're enjoying it as much as I am because this is just something I enjoy to do. I enjoy doing, and I guess part of the podcast thing isn't just – giving out awesome, amazing analysis like I do. <laughs> but uh, it's honestly to introduce people to uh, to new analysts, other analysts, and um, just exactly, just, again, another other aspects of the game as a whole. So yeah. I appreciate you bringing that part to it. But now, Ooh. again, we're, we're, for like the eighth time, we're going to go to fantasy. All right. On that note, we're going to go ahead and take a brief break, and we'll be right back with you after a word from our sponsors. And we're back. Because, again, you contribute across the board, and some of your fantasy stuff kind of directly correlates to this because you do some dynasty and prospect stuff, it, sounds, it looks like. Yeah. Um, but as far as we'll – we're going to go site by site, pitcher list. What, um, are you more – do you cover pitchers for them as well, do, or do you do hitters? Because I know, again, you kind of went down the, the hitter road with development. Yeah. I'm just guessing that's kind of what your passion's about. But what do you cover for pitcher list? I've done a little bit of both. So we've done dynasty. I did a big, long um, dynasty mock with them, and we wrote up all of our picks – um god that was back it feels like forever ago that was back at the start of the year we've done that it helped contribute to um relievers for uh the guide there i've touched on a little bit of everything for them and i feel like that's kind of a common theme everywhere although i am starting to get um i guess hone in a little bit more on hitters but i i want to try and be careful about not just completely like sectioning myself off and only looking at hitters 
and things like that. So I want to make sure I stay up on my game all the way around. Uh, but yeah. yeah, pitcher list is definitely a good place to write about pitchers. There's oh, some for sure. dudes there. Oh, dude, it's ridiculous. Like, I've actually bothered Fast and Nick multiple times just asking him questions. <laughs> um, Ajeto's another good one. I've bothered him about stuff, and it's just – and it's no shame on yourself if you're not as good as them because it, it is what it is. It's, they eat, drink, live, live and die by pitching. That's their yeah. thing. I'm with you. I'm more of into the hitting side of things. That's my strength as an analyst, and that's why I typically dive into. But overall, as far as um, just analytics goes – do you have like a favorite site to go to? I know Fangraphs is kind of a common one, Savant. Are there stats you kind of hone in? Like, where's your starting point when you start breaking down a player for fantasy in fantasy aspect, like terms aspect? It's whatever. definitely a combination of Fangraphs and Savant. I yeah, I like to get into the. I mean, nothing super deep, but like I like to like uh, like to look at ISO and things like that. You always want to look at exit velocity. Something that to get like a little bit deeper. Something that Alex Chamberlain talked about as uh shoot, what does he call it? I can't he has a few know. things. He it's has like X barrels angle, which basically means <laughs> oh. like how consistently are you like squaring up the ball a little bit here? Mm-hmm. Um, and like yeah, like so the spread of the launch angle and the spread of the uh, of the exit velocity. So things that like goes that right and, up, right up your alley, man. <laughs> yeah, well, it lines right up with like a lot of what the driveline guys talk about. Because like yeah. by the way, they driveline has a ton of free stuff too. So for people who want to dabble, like go go to the site read the blogs like they post free videos and stuff like that so and but in the podcast i listen to every single driveline podcast this winter there's like 45 of them i've listened to them all on 1.5 speed i listen to kyle and and mike go to town and you you can learn a ton there's so much free information out there don't feel like you need to start with an expensive course before you figure out if you, have, you want to dive in or not like go do that and there's a lot of stuff like yeah like even if you're not as interested in the real baseball side of things, if you're not looking to get a job there or something like that, there's a lot of things you can pull out that relate to fantasy that it can help you just kind of analyze stuff and see if things pass a sniff test. And that like figuring out or seeing like the spread of somebody's exit velocity or launch launch angle, you can kind of see like, well, are they squaring the ball consistently or are they hitting a grounder and then hitting a pop-up, but it averages out to something right in the middle. So you can yeah. kind of look at it and be like, oh, okay, this makes a little more sense as to why he's so random. Yeah, I like I've learned to kind of almost ignore average exit velocity and I look at rolling graphs now. I like because then because a lot of times you'll see them kind of coincide with runs. Like if they have a good run or a bad run, you can see the launch angle kind of fluctuate. Obviously, you want to see a steady launch angle or close, you know, like the standard deviation launch angle you mentioned. That's what's so great about Chamberlain's um. Chamberlain's just dude. Ugh, side tangent. Chamberlain is just right there. Oh my goodness, he's ridiculous. But he comes off as such a cool, like the dude's shirtless on every like podcast. And <laughs> I love the shirtless pods. <laughs> he's awesome. He's awesome. I wish he would like come on with like drawn on hair on his chest or something. Like, little, <laughs> little, little curls with a marker. Be fantastic, dude, the dude. And honestly, I don't know how much you've had a chance to talk to him or not. He really is as cool as he comes off to be, man. He is the nicest guy. He true like everything people say about him, it's true. He's awesome. So like again, it was a side tangent, but the dude is ridiculously smart and down to earth. You don't get that combination too often. Oh, so I wanted right. to highlight how great Chamberlain is and how awesome he is. But yeah, I know like fantasy baseball, again, there's no one or two metrics that really make a player or I just like to try to get people's ideas of starting points yeah. because I know for me, for for example, my starting point with almost every hitter. I hone in on bad, bad, uh, not bad ball profile. Sorry, uh, plate discipline. I'm a huge plate discipline guy, and 
you can watch some, you can see some of the stuff, you know, on on TV and whatnot. But I go look at the numbers and I dive into it, and I like to see if you if there's a change in the plate discipline. A lot of times, I can explain good or bad what's going on in their season. Like yeah. right there, like if you see someone being more aggressive at the plate, like the, and and you see results kind of coinciding, it's kind of a good starting point. Okay, cool. So they're being more aggressive. Oh, their contact rates are up. Sure, they're swinging and missing a little more, but that's expected because it looks like they're swinging more. Stuff like that. So that's why I'm huge on plate discipline. And that's mm-hmm. my starting point, and that's kind of where I was like curious where you're. If you do even have a starting point like that, yeah, uh, that's definitely something that that I uh, take into account. So I'll attack that. So I have like a custom dashboard on Fangraphs. Um, there we go. Which, hey, just one more reason to, to be a member there, even if it's just a free one. Um, but you can set it up to pull up like, hey, what metrics do you like to look at? And uh, Paul, I know Pollock does this for fan graphs as well for pitching. Um, he's got a certain setup that he likes. Uh, I don't remember that off the top of my head. But I like to look at things like um, the spray chart. So whether like pulling, pushing, what they're hitting up the center, uh, strikeout percent, walk percent, ISO. Trying to think of what else is on there. <laughs> but, you know, nothing. So I want to try to get a comprehensive view without doing too much. Because, you know, at some point you can only look at, you know, the metrics only going to tell you so much. You need to get like a good idea and then go, you know, I'll go like watch some video or something like that. But I definitely, the strikeout rate and walk rate are something I like to look at a lot. Because it tells you like, you know how well a guy's seen the ball a little bit you know as he it goes right into my plate discipline thing yeah <laughs> that's what i say i love plate discipline kind of like but again service that well don't be wrong i shouldn't say i start there so you always look at the service stats and if something seems off you kind of go diving in yeah yeah for sure like ben attendee like, he's a recent guy he's a recent victim of my deep dive which i was actually i came out actually somewhat higher on him than i anticipated yeah hold <laughs> when you look at the conversation hard to like dislike him it just kind of makes you wonder even more like what happened last year? <laughs> and well, that's why. So I, like, that's why when I dove in, I was like, "Huh." And then he he changed his swing midseason, and that's why I'm huge on tangible change. If I can find it in mm-hmm. anyone's profile, if I see the the change in the production matching up with a change in approach of any sort or a change in something, I tend to buy into the results more. Yeah, it's just, but it's hard, obviously, because now that result, those results are over a limited. You know, it's a small sample because of when the change happened, all that good stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's again. It's it's a never ending rabbit hole. It's why I love fantasy. Absolutely. So as far as pitchers go, I know like the common, obviously the common stat. A lot of people like to reference is K minus walk rate. Yeah. But um, are you into like breaking down individual pitches? Like, do you go that route? Like, I know eventually I get there. I'm still diving in on pitchers as a whole. Personally, I've gotten a lot better. It's still not my strength, but um, where like yeah, exactly. I know, and one of the most underutilized uh things as a whole sites is brooks baseball and then of course again yeah. chamberlain's pitch chart it's fantastic but, yeah uh, that nothing is that thing is awesome to look at some of it's still a little bit over my head um because i'm just not i'm not as well versed in pitching i guess um but yeah i definitely like to start you know start with like strikeout and walk rate i do like to look at individual pitches but i try to be careful because like i said i don't want to get in over my head and start making assumptions on things i just i don't quite understand and then kind of get myself in trouble <laughs> as men that that's what we do <laughs> we kind of just go we just go with it and hope for the best and you know? <laughs> our, our wives our wives remind us well uh, real quick girlfriends wives whatever they remind us that um <laughs> yeah, we're in over our heads, but uh, yeah, yeah I won't hop on pitching because I know I just know p- pitching is a whole other animal, man. It's like I try to keep up with some of these guys, but I almost want to just stay in my lane because 
the more you talk to again, the more you listen to a Nick and an Alex, and I know we're referencing them a lot, but it's because they know their stuff. Uh, my buddy uh, Mike Simeone, you know, SP streamer. Yeah, dude, these like he's somebody all the time. I'm behind the scenes bugging because I'm like, I need to understand this stuff. Eno Saris, like if you want to learn pitching, you go, go yeah, go go. Uh, do and honestly, people might not know. We you know we both had a chance to kind of speak with Eno, talk with him. The dude is as cool as everyone says. He oh, is yeah. like easily, easily. Those guys are great. Okay. Honestly, like just to break off for one second. Um, yeah, that's what I love so much about that. I got back into this industry is I feel like I've, I've made real friends and, you know, not that I'd like want to call Eno up on the phone, but like you, you, you meet these guys and they are just as nice in person as they sound on the podcast or as they interact with you on Twitter. He's like, they are real, like nice, friendly humans. And all the guys at baseball HQ were so great, you know, hosting us. It was just so fun to meet all these people in person and then have such a great time because yeah. It's a little nerve wracking sometimes. I didn't know I didn't know a soul when I went in there. Like I'd never met anyone in person. And by the time we walked out, I felt like I had made real actual friends. I could go grab a beer with even if we didn't talk baseball. Yeah. So that that was great. Yeah, um, and I'm just thinking about. I was actually. It's funny that you transitioned that because I was going to ask you about first pitch because again, we that's again that's where we met, and it was funny because I actually gravitated towards you because I know we interacted. At least we interacted yeah. on Twitter prior to that. So I was like, okay, I'm comfortable with Joe for some reason. Like it made no <laughs> sense. We never actually met, but or spoke even on a podcast. But I gravitated towards you because we. I felt like we were kind of in common ground. Like we are these nobodies among <laughs> the industry titans, and some of the guys, dude. Um, I'm going to ask you, I'm curious about your most memorable moment, but I'll just tell you about mine because nobody saw this because it was actually after, I can't remember which draft it was, but I actually sat there on, I sat on the bench with, I wasn't, uh, Howard Bender was smoking a cigarette and uh, I just sat there on the bench with Howard Bender, just literally just kicking it with a man, just talking fantasy baseball, talking industry. He was super helpful. The dude was like, he's like, you know, we're, he's giving me helpful hints. This is back when I wanted to launch my website. The, the first site before we just changed it over. But this yeah. is like all this stuff has just kind of happened rapidly. He was just giving me so much advice. And we're talking about Howard Bender, one of the guys that like he's, you know, fantasy alarm. Everyone knows who he is. Yeah. And this guy literally just sat with me and helped me out. And we sat there and just talked baseball and fantasy baseball for an hour. Like it was nothing. This was at midnight, by the way, like midnight <laughs> told her Ian Khan came walking up and Ian's all like jacked up on whatever. Like Clay Link also came out there was talking. It was like they came out there and just again, they just treated me like a normal person. And I'm not name dropping. It it blew my mind how down to earth these guys really were. All oh, of them. Absolutely. I think that was the most fun part, to be honest. Like obviously, like we learned a ton seeing all the presentations and oh, yeah. people put a lot of hard work in these presentations and they were great. But it was like almost more fun to be able to like pick their brains afterward and just chat with them like a normal person. Oh yeah, and honestly, actually, you know what? I I can't tell you about it. Howard was great. It was fantastic. But I would say the most, I'd say probably one of the better. Uh, I guess that that's one of them. And my other really good story, because I'm going to ask you years too, is um, I went to the, you know, we went to the spring training games, mm-hmm. and I uh, went with. I actually got in a car somehow with Chris Blessing, Eddie Almaguer, um, I can't think of um Brian Rudd from HQ and, oh man, I'm, I can't believe, uh, he's on the he's on the Five Tool podcast with Eric Cross. I'm losing my mind here. Was it Jesse? Yes, Jesse. Talk about, like, remember how we were talking about learning the, the behind-the-scenes stuff? Picking their brains for hours on end and listening to them break down players. Because we actually got – we stayed late enough to see Matt Manning pitch, and they were talking about it. And yeah. just, again, just a fly on the wall. I, I didn't open my mouth. And that says a lot because I talk a ton. <laughs> <laughs> I sat there my mouth shut ears open just listening to them talk about mechanics, talk about baseball, and then – all the whole game, they weren't really, you know, there was a lot. Of, there wasn't really a lot going on. We saw, you know, we saw Torres hit a home run. That was cool. But as far as like prospects and stuff, it just 
there wasn't really a lot of interest. So just listening to them talk about baseball for hours, it was awesome. And they were talking, you know, just again, just the amount of information. I, I It was so much to take in. It was hard to, but man, they were just so well-versed. And it was just such an awesome experience. And again, that was just one snippet. I did that multiple times in multiple different groups. But yeah. now enough about me, Joe, because I, I honestly never actually – well, I never actually did this. I never actually talked about my experience at first pitch. And I guess it's because I never had anybody on that was there with me. So, or since then anyway, but yeah. anyway, Joe, back to you, man, what was some of the, your biggest takeaways and some of your better experiences while you were out there? Oh man. It's, it's, it's like hard to encapsulate in one thought to be honest. Oh, I know. That's it's, why I keep rambling. <laughs> first of all, like, being able to process that I'm seeing all these people in person that I've been reading for more than a decade, like Ola and Eric Carabell and like all those guys, you know, Eno and DVR Um, just processing that and trying not to get starstruck at first, which it just, you know, I, I, and I'm not a kid, I'm 30 years old or 31 years old. I feel like I should, you know, be in control of my emotions. It's never going to happen, but you know, try as I might. So just being able to process that first and take it in and be like, okay, yeah, they're real people just like me. And they're all like very, you know, very cool and just so nice. I don't know, nice and gracious and just fun to be around. Um, shoot, it's hard to pick out like one specific, I guess, show or show uh, like a breakout session. I did really like the Dynasty one with with Ian and Eddie and Jesse. I was um, sitting right up close, so maybe that was why <laughs> that sticks out for me. I um, missed that one. I'm, I was very upset. I picked a different one, and I realized afterwards i because again i got to know these guys more so afterwards again yeah. i had that i went to the game with all these guys so it, <laughs> it, it upset me not to go to that one just because i got that vibe from them and i learned i got a chance to meet them and they were really cool and it, that one that's one i actually am upset i missed out on it was a really good i heard it was a really good panel so oh, it was great it's great and hey it's always fun to listen to ian talk to it almost doesn't matter what he's talking about he's just great he's so much fun it's hard to explain. You're right. He has that energy about him, you know? Yeah. The the energy, and it's contagious. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Put, put me and Ian in a room. It's like, yeah, you <laughs> I'm can... talking, not be excited. I challenge yeah, you. Awesome. You can't do it. No, no. 100%. No. Couldn't do it. But, man, it was yeah, just. It was great. But I, I had the same experience as you. I got to uh, take in a game. We went to the Phillies game, and I was hanging out with Jesse and Chris Blessing and Eric Cross. And I'm like, you just kind of, you know, shoot the breeze with them watch baseball and listen to them talk about it and like talk about what they've seen, what they're seeing now, you know, why and I just ask questions. You're like, Oh, why do you think that? Or why do you feel that way? And just try to absorb the information, just everything I've been doing for the past, I don't know, year or so since I got back into the baseball world, just trying to soak it in. No, definitely. And I'm glad you had that. I had to leave the final day. I was very upset. I just had to, I had, you know, I live in Florida, so I, I had to drive across um, all the way back from West coast to East coast, but I really wanted to go to the final day because I know I, I spoke, you know, I have a chance to kind of build this relationship with Cohen. I, I didn't get a chance to go see Ariel, Ariel's. Sorry, I called him Ariel one time and he's like, I'm not the little mermaid. I'm like, my bad, dude. Like, he, he, he was cool about it. Obviously, he understands. I'm sure it's a common occurrence, but yeah, yeah. he's like, I'm not, it, it's Ariel, not Ariel, but like the little, like little mermaid. So he's a cool dude, though, man. But I was upset. I missed, I wanted to really see his auction thing because I know he's really into the, you know, he's really good with the auction stuff. But yeah, uh, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, like really good means like fantastic. I mean, yeah. And the whole I wanted to pick his brain. I actually have to get him on the podcast. I know again, it's not side tangent. He's he's mentioned coming on, so I'm gonna get him on here. But I feel bad because every time someone gets him on, they ask him the same stuff, and so like, all <laughs> I want to do is pick his brain about the same stuff. Yeah. So, but it seems like he really enjoys talking about it. He knows he's good. You know, he knows what he's good at auctions and and his um 
and his oh my goodness, what's the word here with his um system he does the projections. Oh yeah. yeah. Word. <laughs> but anyway, all funny. right. This was a lot of fun. Before we get going, just a little bit of fantasy here. A few games, a few guys that you drafted a ton of this um, offseason. Maybe some guys that have grown on you with the extra downtime. Just uh, I have no idea how many you, you want to talk about. I have no idea who you're going to bring up. But let's talk some fantasy. Get, throw a couple names out there. All right. Got. I got two guys in mind. Um, I have, let's see, I've been taking a little bit of a vacation from fantasy the last couple weeks or month or so. My really been... A little bit crazy. My fiance is in PA school. It's been on hold and then it's been not on hold and then it's crazy right now. So between that and my job and everything, I've just been trying to like take it easy. But um, a couple of guys that I was really excited about this year, um, and one of them is going to sound ironic because I got I got beat up a little bit over this uh, for an article I wrote at Prospects 1500. Um, I'll lead off with Jesus Lazardo. Um, in the article I wrote, I didn't rank him as like the very top tier prospect. Uh, just I personally have concerns about injury history and things like that. Um, I don't think he's, he, he's just had trouble staying on the field, but when he's on the field and he's on the mound, this dude is unreal. And we got to see it a little bit last year in the majors. Um, when he came out of the bullpen, he, he just, he was dominant, absolutely dominant. And the things that stick out most to me about him is not necessarily the numbers. Um, and you can see his stuff, but it, it's his poise on the mound. When you get him out there, you can just tell like, he is not afraid of the moment. He's out there to attack hitters and get them out. And I just love that about him. And in a shortened season, like hopefully we're going to have here, um, hopefully shortened and not none. I just think they're kind of going to let the reins off here and let him go out and throw because I mean, who knows how many innings we're really going to get this year. Obviously they could go the other route and just be super cautious and be like, Hey, this is a weird year. We're going to shut you down and just let you throw on camp and, you know, get you ready for next year. But if they let him throw and we have, you know, have some games here, I'm excited about what Jesus Lazardo could do for sure. Yeah. When it comes to Lazardo, I was going to ask you addressed it, that you're, it's pretty much two sides of a coin. Either you believe he's going to get the innings or you don't. Mm-hmm. You're on that side. I'm actually on the other side. I actually think they're not, not but they're not, I don't think they're going to shut him down. I'm just worried because they actually have a pretty deep bullpen for the most part that yeah. they might utilize it more on his days. So I think maybe instead of seeing him go five, six innings, like in a start, you might see him go three to four just to yeah. kind of eat, especially at first to ease him in. I just wouldn't be surprised. It's a team that's good enough to make the playoffs, especially if the playoff structure. And again, oh, I guess I should say this now if someone's listening. This is pre-recorded. So, and I know that there's supposed to be a new proposal on Tuesday. We're recording prior to Tuesday. So some. I apologize if some of this maybe I don't. I, I, it's a we, little off because it's come out, and we might sound a little silly right now. Yeah, so I'm trying to get that ahead of time. That we this is pre-recorded prior to the Tuesday proposal. So, but with that said, assuming that uh, we we I think we have an idea as far as like games and all that. So I just think at the end of the day that we're gonna see him kind of limited as far as just what what they're gonna allow him to do. Even even if it's initial, you have to remember everything pretty much. Everything's going to double. So if someone's hurt for a week, you have to think of it as two weeks. If someone's hurt for a month, you have to think of it as two months. Well, yeah. if he's off to a slow start, if you're talking about a slow month, that's really a slow two. It's almost like that's a huge bulk of the season. So I'm a little apprehensive. I, I initially, I had the same thought. I'm like, oh, like you can't see my hands go off the screen. So I was like, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, oh man, like all arrows pointing up. And now it's like now the I'm getting a little apprehensive and I'm not totally bought in. I'm not questioning the skill set. You like you said, you like that killer mentality, you don't see that in the numbers, but you saw him go out there and pump triple, triple digits in the playoffs, dude. It was oh, yeah. it was absurd. 
And you don't do that on accident. The skills are there. Mm-hmm. There's no doubting the talent at all. There's no doubt. There's no doubting him. I just I don't know. I don't. I don't have the same optimism as far as the reins being let off. That's all it is. That's the only difference between you and I. That um. So it's like I'm glad that. But again, it's all about matter of a, it's a matter of opinion, a matter of confidence. You and I just lack. You you and I just have a difference of opinions. But the, both of us aren't that in the skill set. So I'm with you on Lazardo from that side of things. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Uh, not here to not here to poo poo you on that. <laughs> oh, definitely. And like the hard part is just not knowing. We like we don't know if the oh, yeah. if it's going to be like. Yeah, let's go for it. Crazy season. Let's do this. Or they're like, oh God, crazy season. We just we're gonna just get through this and go to next year. So but who knows? Hopefully at his, at his price. Oh yeah, hopefully we find out. But who, um, also at his ADP, you kind of you're making the if you're taking where he's going right now because he's gone. I think he's gone up. I haven't d- double checked the ADP on him. But mm-hmm. if you're taking, but he's been getting so much hype. He's been getting all that hype lately. Mm-hmm. So. If you are in on it, you have to either be in on him or you're not getting him. That's basically what it is. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. And that so that definitely makes it hard because there's no there's no half big middle. You're in or you're out. Yeah. You're in up or you're not getting him. Exactly. Because he's going he was a fringe like top twenty-five, top thirty guy as far as SP goes. I think people are almost like I think he's almost more of a solidified top twenty-five option right now in drafts. And I don't know if I'm ready to pay that because like it becomes like in my mind, it comes him versus Lance Lynn, him versus Kluber and although I like him more as far as upside play goes, I just don't know. I, again, I have to double check the ADP now. It's like I should have probably done that. I didn't even. I got it up now. He's going 104 overall in NFBC ADP. And is that the last 30 days or last 30 days? I looked. I did look at last 30 days. There's only 13 drafts, so I don't know how much we want to look at the last 30 days. Not last 30 days. That's since November 1st. <laughs> but even then, even at even at 104, you're still looking at names like what, like Lance Lynn going behind him. Uh, Probably Paxton going behind him. I can understand Paxton, but if he's healthy, I have a hard time taking Paxton. Um, I have a hard time taking Lazardo over Paxton. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of a tough one, but I don't know. There's just names like more sure things, more known commodities, more guys that won't have the same potential limitations. So it's a yeah. matter of risk. Reward. It's a matter of risk reward. How did I, how did I build my team? Did I get a Scherzer and a Bueller early? And maybe got a um, a Giolito. Maybe I went pitcher heavy first few rounds. Got a Giolito, uh, Scherzer one two. So then I could take a shot on Lazardo. Yeah. Or did I or did I take a Mike Clevenger? And now I'm, this now I'm waiting and I want to attack my second pitcher here. Do I really want to pair Lazardo with Clevenger? That's really risky. So. Yeah. No, I totally understand that. Roster construction. Yeah. Roster yeah, construction. Means a lot. You got to ask yourself during the draft is like, all right, am I set to like kind of withstand this kind of risk here like what happens if if everything goes wrong am i done or you know what kind of chance especially, especially with pitching being the question that is as, as always because there's always an injury always yeah. something and now but, in a, a crazy year where they've started and stopped and they're off to start back up again i'm really interested and plus we don't know who's actually gonna show that's a whole other thing we don't even know if all the players are gonna show up for uh for the season so True. that's gonna kill me because i have some trout shares that i hearing him Talk about not showing up oh, again. It's a whole other, I don't want to even go down that route. Oh, my head hurts. Yeah. Okay, so I know you have one more name. Let's get, right. let's go. And on the hitting side, we're going to go back to Vlad Guerrero. Um, I know that some people were not. Let's. They were. I don't know. Some people were disappointed with how he performed last year. And I get it. We've had some insane rookie seasons lately where people just come up and they do what Juan Soto did, and they are incredible. But I am still really impressed by what Vlad did. He came up and he hit the ball hard. He just had, you know, he had trouble adjusting to the major league level where pitchers were able to figure him out a little bit and and get him 
into bad situations and he wasn't lifting the ball. Like they were attacking him down low and they were just kind of, I don't want to say they were beating him bad, but like, you know, we're still talking about a 20 year old kid who's facing the best pitching in the world for the first time in his life, you know, on the biggest you know stage. And he was a poster child for a prospect being kind of held back, you know, when he was ready, it's kind of like we were reliving the Chris Bryant thing all over again. And just, I'm sure like that got old for him too. And so, I'm sure there was probably a lot of pressure on his shoulders when he finally got to the majors and th- when he was finally, when his glove was ready <laughs> for him I to get there and go up and be the best hitter in baseball. Cause that's what everyone's been expecting. And obviously this is just me speculating on how he might feel or how, you know, how things might've gone. So people could take that with a grain of salt, but we did see him hit the ball really hard. Uh, we've seen in the minors that this dude has an incredible hit tool. He it, he's he's not he's not Mark Trumbo. He doesn't show up and just you know mash fastballs down the middle 140 miles an hour. Like he can hit everything. He's a little bit like his dad. Um, so I'm Maybe just that's part of it though. He can do in a second year. Yeah. Oh, definitely exciting. Uh, his draft. I think his draft price is about right. It's. I think I know it's like in the 50s ish. I think it's again. He's another guy that you're either in or you're out on. If you take him yeah. Lizardo, you're gonna win a league or lose a league. Yeah. <laughs> like if you pair those together, he's going at three overall since yeah. uh, April first, which isn't again. That's um that's understandable. But I, I honestly, you listen to other podcasts. I'm kind of okay. I hate that because I'm such a fence sitter. I realize like I'm okay with a lot of prices. I know. <laughs> I just, I just I, am. But yeah, I, I try not. And here's the thing: is is like it, it all depends on how your draft's going. I feel like you have to be flexible a little bit here. Obviously, okay. like. There's gonna be some guys you're either you're really in on or you're really out on, but like just to be like, oh, I'm I'm out on Vlad this year. It's like I can't do that. Like, hey, if he falls to me here, yeah, I'm absolutely gonna take him. Even a guy I might ne- might not necessarily like. If you're out on Lazardo, but he's there at at 120, like you might be like, okay, like I I can't let him slide any further here. Yeah, and that's people don't talk about that enough, man. I mean, I, I hear it here and there, but I feel like people just need to understand. Like, you go into a draft with a plan. I always do a general plan, though. Yeah. There's people that are, there's people that are like on auctions. They like, oh, I'm gonna spend this much on pitching, this much on hitting. I'm gonna, or if they, it's a snake draft, I'm gonna do this, this, and this, this round. This. I'm very much the. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I'm gonna go in with an idea of who I want, but mm-hmm. if this player falls here, or if like you know, there's times where it's like I want this guy, but this person fell. That's too much of a value to pass up. I'm gonna take the value and figure the rest out as I go. And yeah, it's it, it, it's just your plan on the fly. It's um it's underutilized. I think there's a lot of um concern there because I think a lot of people like just not. It's almost like not having control, so to speak. Yeah, but I feel I feel like I don't know, man. I feel like if you know what you're doing, you can usually make that work. That's mm-hmm. been my experience, but I also don't play in main events or NFB. I play in FVC, but I don't play in main events. So maybe I'm not speaking from some, you know, somebody maybe like a Matt Modico could uh, maybe speak to that a little better, which would be awesome to talk to him about actually. But uh, maybe I'll reach out to him and ask him. That's gonna be interesting. Right, but I'm curious. No, I'm curious because he's he's so well known, so well accomplished in that. Uh, but I, I, maybe I was th- I was also thinking like tout wars and stuff. You know those guys, people that went tout. I'm curious to see their general approach. That would be a great thing to. I feel like there's had to be someone that's written about it or spoken about it because I know every approach is different. But I'm mm-hmm. wondering if there's like a common theme to the win- the big winners of things in, as a, as a whole. There has to be a common like if you look at team construction um, from the winners and like the and the ADP from that year and kind of see if there's any correlation as far as do they kind of go safe at first, take risks later? Were they able to spot who was going to go late and break out? Just different things. And then from there, you can kind of pick their brains as far as 
wow, how did you know that was going to happen? Or what made you, what gave you this idea this was going to happen? I think these days there's no such thing as a sleeper anymore. That term is, that term is, that, that term is gone. Except Everybody for, has. Except for you. Except for me. Yeah. Well, that's because, well, I, I actually have a new setup. I, I, my, my head's behind me, but I'm, I'm actually in a physical chair now. I used oh, to do this. I used to podcast for my couch. I tell a story. It's awesome. So I was podcasting for my couch. I, I, this is how we're going to end it. I'm going to tell you and anybody else who hasn't heard it yet how I fell asleep recording a podcast. So I, I was podcast. I used to podcast on my couch. I have these two. I just kind of started creating this awesome. So I'm going to take a picture of it soon. It's almost done. I got this little desk, this little setup. It's awesome. I'm super proud of it. But before that, I had these two foldable desks, plastic foldable desks, 20 bucks, two of them to hold my computer, my mic, all that. Well, I decided for the first year of doing this podcast, I would do it for my couch because I would do it on my couch. My wife would be in the room hanging out. Well, one night, it was really late. My, my, one of my uh, co-hosts is on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. So the time difference, I, I usually start around 10, 30, 11. This one started at midnight. One thing led to another. It's like 1 a.m. my time, I think. And he's talking about J.P. Crawford. And I, I decide, I decide I'm, I'm going to, you're going to be able to see me. A lot of people won't. Maybe they'll hear it in the mic. I leaned back into the couch. Yeah. And because because I have a mic on a on a on a boom arm or whatever it's called, you know, I had a mic. I moved the mic with me like this. As I moved as I leaned back, I moved my mic back with me. And one thing I I did one of these where my eyes were closed. I was listening, I was talking, but my eyes were closed. And 30 seconds go by and I woke myself up. I was oh. like, "Wait, it's quiet." Oh, I was done. I was I was out. And my co-host is like, "Hello? Thank goodness it was just one of my regular guys." Like I don't think I would have I don't think I would have fallen asleep in something like this, where it's like obviously the idea is to highlight the guest, have the guest speak a little bit, and us talk baseball. But it was one of my regular guys, and um, not to say that makes it any better, but it happened. I own it. I own it. And Ralph Lipschitz gave me the nickname because he's like, "Oh, it has like a '90s rap name to it." <laughs> I love Ralph. <laughs> cool. And if you know Ralph, that nickname was like no surprise to anybody who knows Ralph and his personality. And so it's like, yeah, sleepy K. So it's stuck. Um, MLB moving averages. John he created a cereal box instead of special K. He wrote the word sleepy K. I have it on my phone. Yeah, I need to go find that. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll retweet it. I'll retweet it. And uh, I'll retweet it after we get off the sh- uh, after we done recording. But uh, yeah, man, it's um again. This that's about it. I mean, I don't want to drag us on anymore. We have to. I appreciate. Well, I just don't want to. Again, I appreciate your time. I don't want to. I don't want to hold you more than I have to. It's been. It's been a good amount of time. Uh, with that said, though, man, Joe, just tell everybody where they can find you. What's going on, man? No, absolutely. You guys can find me on Twitter uh, at jdrake three four nine, and you'll see my stuff this summer at Pitcherless, uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits, Prospects three sixty five, the Dynasty Guru. I think that's everything. A little bit, <laughs> a little bit of everything, man. I'm, I'm covering it all from prospects and dynasty coverage to you know your classic roto. I guess I would say redraft. Redraft, yeah. Well, like I said, Joe, I do appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you joining us uh, again. For anybody who wants to follow me, my name is Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Bases loaded pod at bases loaded pod. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, as always, guys, we appreciate you listening. Oh, five star review, greatly appreciate it. Other than that, talk Ooh. to you later. Yeah, do it. Talk to you soon, guys. Have a good one.